We've all heard the story about the mason who didn't see his job as laying bricks, who was building a cathedral. Or the NASA janitor who wasn't mopping floors, he was helping to send a man to the moon. Imagine what would happen if your employees felt this way about the work they do. Let's have ourselves a pocket-sized pep talk because today's guest is here to tell you just how to do that. A pocket-sized pep talk, the podcast that can help energize your business and your life with a quick, inspiring message. Now, here's your host, Rob Jollis. Today's guest, Steve Curtin, is the author of the best-selling book, Delight Your Customers, and is globally known as an expert and a speaker on customer service, management, and leadership. Before launching his consulting company in 2007, Steve had a 20-year career with Marriott International. His new book is The Revelation Conversation, Inspire Great Employee Engagement by Connecting to Purpose. His publisher is Barrett Kohler, my favorite publisher on the planet. And once, once, he, once I get a Barrett Kohler uh, author in here, that's a friend of mine. We're glad to have you with us, Steve, and welcome to the show. Wow. Thanks for the introduction, Rob. Pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. So let's dive right in. And with you, I want to start with your journey to find the book. What's the story behind getting to this book? Well, the story, and there is a story. In fact, I opened the book with it. Uh, so you uh, hit the nail on the head, Rob. Um, I was actually at a conference to talk about leadership and purpose was uh, surfacing in 2016 as uh, as a buzzword. And so we were talking about, you know, this distinction between mission statements, vision statements, purpose statements. And we were getting at, you know, the heart of the business uh, existentially. Why does it exist? So I was talking with my client about purpose. They didn't have a purpose statement at the time. They had a mission statement at the time, but it essentially encapsulated their purpose. So we didn't get hung up on terms. But I asked him, I said, how many of the senior leaders who are attending this conference will be fluent in the organization's one sentence corporate mission statement? He told me most. I was a little more skeptical. And so we had a sort of a naive activity at the very beginning of the presentation before I even started. Um, each member of the audience, there were 222 in attendance, they had an index card, and I put up a PowerPoint slide that asked them to simply record the organization's one-sentence corporate mission statement, just gave them a minute to do it. I said, without the aid of a smartphone or the colleagues seated next to you, we'll collect those cards, and we did. I went out with my presentation, and then in the days afterwards, I laid those index cards out, and I followed up with my client. And he was absolutely chagrined uh, to recognize when the final numbers were in that out of 222 senior leaders who were flown in from all over the country to an airport hotel in Chicago to attend a leadership meeting, only four of the 222, less than 2%, could articulate the organization's one-sentence corporate mission statement. And so that was a real aha for me, Rob. That let me know right away Although most sophisticated organizations create a mission or a vision or a purpose statement, the reality is a very small percentage of their uh, company leaders can actually articulate that statement. Oh, that's, that's interesting. And you know, you fall into this classic category. People don't believe me, but I'm telling you, you talk to most authors and it's not that a coconut falls out of the tree and hits us in the head, but we don't go looking for the book. It, it kind of 
finds us and there's almost always a story behind it. And uh, I, you know, it's, it's a classic and, um, and, you know, for those who are thinking of writing a book, you just heard it, you know, a, a classic tale and the tale is um, you don't really have to force it. Just keep your eyes open, but listen, listen to what's around you uh, because that book will find you. All right, let's climb into the book. Uh, all right. Uh, looking it over, you mentioned that employees don't struggle necessarily with you know what their jobs entail, right. but you seem to focus on a different question, which is why they do what they do, or even why your business does what it does. And according to you, employees don't do so well with this one. So uh, tell me why. Yeah, well, the reason that uh, employees don't do well with it is that their immediate supervisors don't do well with it. And by don't do well with it, all, I, all I'm suggesting is that they lack awareness. That's why the first third of the book is um, under the heading reveal. It, it's really revealing or enlightening to employees to recognize that there's another part of their job uh, that transcends duties and tasks. So in other words, a job role consists of three parts. Uh, two parts they're intimately familiar with, as are uh, their immediate supervisors, and that is the knowledge part and the skills part. In other words, most employees possess adequate job knowledge, they demonstrate sufficient job skills, and by extension, they're, excuse me, they're competent to execute assigned job tasks. Uh, that's not the issue. Competency in the workplace is largely not the issue. The issue is they're disconnected from purpose because there's a third part of every job role, which is job purpose, which is the single highest priority of that job role. And frankly, most employees are unaware of it. And the reason for that is that their immediate supervisor is also unaware of it. Wow. You know, it's it's it reminds me, I, I was um, was working with Toyota when I first met them. And I was, you know, it, it was it was a big deal for me. I was in the final two or three um, contractors that were looking to do the sales training for them, and uh, they had, you know, people in from Japan. It was a it was a pretty high pressured room. And I remember at one point, all I asked was, "Well, I can sell. We can sell it. Just tell me what you want the customer to want, you know, and we'll start there." And I remember them looking at me, going with very blank faces, and they actually asked me to leave the room. And I came back and they handed me a little sheet of paper and it basically outlined what they felt with sort of the fundamental principles of what they were trying to do. And I said, this is terrific. Who else has ever seen this? And they stood, they looked around and they sort of shook their head. No. And, and it became the building block for what we were doing. Uh, but, but I, I bring that story back to you, Steve, because it was shocking to me to deal with the caliber of people who were in that room and find out that no one really knew the answer to, you know, what that company was standing for. And right. um, as a sales guy, like I said, I, I can sell anything, but you got to tell me what I want the customer to want. They didn't even know the answer. You know, it's, it is amazing. Uh, I don't That's know how you sell. Uncommon. That's yeah. not uncommon. Yeah. So, all right. So you write about something that you're having a, a relevation conversation, kind of an informal one-on-one -on -one exchange uh, that connects your employees. Talk to me a little bit about that. That's a, that's a new term to me, and um, just kind of walk me through that. 
Yeah, it's a Revelation Conversation. That's chapter four. It's really the cornerstone chapter of the book, but it's chapter four. So in other words, we have uh, three chapters that precede it. The first chapter I refer to as the two journeys, which makes this distinction between an employee's purpose in life, uh, which is very private, very intimate, very existential, and their purpose at work, which is more intellectual. Um, it's a journey of, of uh, self-improvement as opposed to the vertical journey of self-discovery. That's the journey, the horizontal journey of self-improvement is the journey that um, employees experience at work. And so we, we make that distinction in chapter one. In chapter two, we talk about the totality of the job role, which was your previous question, that every job consists of two dimensions, job functions and job essence. Job functions being knowing what to do and how to do it. Job essence being the why behind the what and the how, knowing why you do what you do, how you do it, or the way you do it at work. And then chapter three is the four questions. And th these are a set of questions that the reader will ask. There are exercises at the back of each chapter. Four questions that the reader will ask to crystallize their purpose at work, their values, the actions and behaviors that reflect those values, and their team's highest aspirational goal at work. When you've when you've gone through those three chapters, when you've answered and contemplated those four questions, you are now girded or prepared to initiate this revelation conversation, which is um, presented for the first time in chapter four of the book. And that's simply to pose this question to a direct report. W would you uh, describe for me, from your perspective, your job role, what your job entails? That's the question. And then that initiates a conversation that reveals the totality of the job role, connects the job role to the highest purpose of the job role, which is the job purpose, and inspires greater employee engagement. And how are employees doing? I mean, can they answer that question? What's your job entails? I mean, do people um, know the answer to oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're well-versed, Rob, in the answer to that question. They can't they can't answer a lot of the other questions that follow up. But because you've been through chapters one, two, and three, and you've contemplated the questions in chapter three, you're prepared, you're girded for the conversation. You, as the immediate supervisor, which is really the target audience of this book, you are prepared to respond to each of the questions. You know, they say, don't ask a question you don't have the answer to. Um, in this case, that's true. You, you are ill-equipped to initiate a revelation conversation if you don't know the highest priority of the job role. If you don't know the definition of job essence, you're ill-equipped. Because, Rob, the way the conversation goes, you initiate it with that, that, that uh, uh, initial question, which is, would you describe for me, from your perspective, there are no wrong answers here. So it's a very non-threatening, a very approachable question. Would you describe for me, from your perspective, your job role, what your job entails. And in response to your question, Rob, they know. And what they'll do is they will list a litany of job functions, which are the duties and tasks associated with their job role. It'll be a, um, a list essentially of the bullet points um, on their job description that outline their duties and tasks. And so you'll listen to that patiently and thoughtfully. And then you'll say, listen, everything you've mentioned is important because it's not zero sum. It's not like job functions or job essence. You really need both. If your objective is to create 
a delighted customer if your objective is to create an engaged employee. Um, but they're gonna list a, a set of job functions. And then what you do is say, hey, listen, that's important list, vital list, we need to do all that, but I didn't hear anything about job essence. <laughs> and then they're gonna say, what's that? <laughs> and you're gonna say, well, job essence is your single highest priority at work. And then they're gonna say, cause I've had these conversations an awful lot. Then right. they're gonna say, What's that? <laughs> What's my single highest priority at work? And if you're not prepared to answer that question, you're going to be stuck. Right. Maybe that's a good title for your next book called What's That? Uh, <laughs> how to and then kind of spell it out below. The book right. is called uh, The Revelation Conversation, Inspire Greater Employee Engagement by Connecting to Purpose. And um, just came out May 22. So you're, you're, you're just getting out there now. But, you know, I, I want to pay you a compliment. You kind of ran through a stop sign, but something that impressed me that you were as you were describing the book and I'm just a fan of. And that is the exercises. I like a book that's interactive. I think sometimes it's the trainer in me that says um, I can deliver a workshop or a keynote and just talk to you or I can take some time and say, all right, that, that's how we grip the club. Now let's play a hole. Let's swing and hit a couple of balls. And uh, so the fact that you're doing that to me gives it that interactive quality um, that's powerful. Uh, and, um, and I applaud you. I, I don't find a whole lot of books like that. And I always cue in when I hear that because I'm a fan of it. So um, I like hearing that. Congratulations. Thank you. Do you um, let's stay on that interactive part a little bit. You, you've got some questions at the end. Do, is there a way for them sort of to, um, track their particular business as they're going through in other words uh like one i not man i will never mention a jawless title on a book because this is your time but i like i've i've done at times where i've given them sort of some case studies or something to say here let's pull something through so you can you know it can be you or you can take a look at one of mine but i want to pull something through here and build a story not just tell you about it that's my approach. Tell me about your approach. Yeah, well, you know, it's similar in the sense that it's, um, you know, it's instructive, it's cumulative, you know, two builds on one, three builds on two, and so forth to the end of the book. And so I would say that there is a lot of, you know, as a trainer myself, and having an appreciation of adult learning uh, principles, there's a lot of relevancy to this, there's a lot of applicability to this, when I say this, I'm talking about the book. Um, and there are a lot of, there's a lot of concreteness to it. In other words, it, it bridges the gap between the amorphous, the theory and the abstraction and the real world of work that managers, supervisors, leaders, operators encounter on a daily basis. That's the feedback that I've, I've received. Okay. And that was full intent. Okay. Well, I'm, you know, uh, um, to me again, that the, the important part is, and you know, it's, I'm smiling cause I'm thinking, of course he's a trainer. Cause I think trainers, I don't know about you as a writer, but for me, I'm almost having a conversation as I'm writing the book, my wife will walk by and see my eyebrows moving and my, you know, uh, and my lips moving a little bit because that's where I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable in the pit and I'm trying to tell that story. But I find that most trainers who write will write with an interactive 
edge. We'll be asking questions. We'll we'll unconsciously, competently, I'd like to add, mm-hmm. kind of mimic uh, as if we were in front of our client putting on this workshop. Right. So uh, can they interact at, at your website? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, did you want my website name? Well, well, we'll, we'll throw it in the end. I'll put it on the site, but put it in right now because I don't know it. What, what's that website? I forgot. Yeah, and it's simply my name. Uh, Steve Curtin, and you spell that C-U-R-T-I-N dot com. Okay. And so if I read that book, I could go to that website. And um, obviously, I can talk to you about workshops or uh, consulting. But can I find other resources that will support what I've just read? Well, really, the resources, I would say, are baked into the Revelation conversation. Okay. You had mentioned it. I'm working with an instructional designer a uh, gentleman named Brian O'Neill, who I worked with on my first book, Delight Your Customers, to create a companion guide for internal company trainers to cascade the lessons from the book to a broader audience. That's in process now. We hope to complete that in Q4. Got it. Good. Okay. Makes sense. Um, all right. So let's stay with um, let's stay let's stay with how you approach in your book how you're inspiring greater employee engagement. We all want that. Uh, remember, I, I'll, although I'm 30 years in business for myself, I came from Xerox. Uh, that was kind of one of our themes. So I'm, I am a, a CEO. I'm a, I'm a high level manager. I'm thinking about buying this book. Uh, what am I going to learn in that book to inspire that uh, employee engagement? Well, it's going to be very difficult for the employee to be engaged if their immediate supervisor is not engaged. You know, as Cal- as Gallup uh, has demonstrated again and again, there is a significant correlation between the quality of the manager and that's his or her modeling, their communication, uh, whether or not they're connected to uh, the organization's purpose. Um, there's a significant correlation between where they are and, and where their staff is. Right. Uh, in, in fact, the latest statistic I read from Gallup is that they could predict with 70% certainty the alignment um, within the department based on getting to know the department head or department manager. And so there's an awful lot of responsibility that the manager has. So really where the book is of benefit, frankly, is just to... Um, have them pause (laughs) because many managers, as uh, Stephen Covey said in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, many managers just get caught up in the thick of thin things. And what I mean by that is they get caught up in job functions. They get caught up in transactions, uh, activities, efficiencies, and they subordinate, oftentimes unwittingly, they subordinate relationships. They subordinate results. They subordinate effectiveness Uh, to efficiency. And what this book does is it forces you to pause and say, what is the purpose of the organization? And for most readers, you know, you referenced a CEO of a sophisticated organization, what's he or she going to get out of it? Um, Most managers and leaders who work for a sophisticated organization, whether it's a a smaller, mid-sized, larger enterprise business, a a mission statement or a vision statement or a purpose statement, whatever that's called, that exists. 
um, they ordinarily have a set of core values that exists. Maybe it's on the about page of the website. Maybe it's in the employee handbook. Maybe it's uh, framed and mounted in the executive corridor. I don't know. But what, what needs to happen is that needs to come off the wall in the executive corridor. It needs to come off the coffee mug. It needs to come off the about page of the website. And it needs to come into the real world of work for that supervisor, that manager, that leader. And then it's incumbent upon him or her to reveal the total job role to their subordinates, to connect their daily work activities to the higher purpose of the job role and organization, and in doing so, to inspire greater employee engagement. And you can do that with this book. Excellent. You know, kicking up a whole dip, a bunch of thoughts of mine. I, um, when I was at Xerox, I worked and taught the Leadership Through Quality program for Xerox. It was, I begged for them to let me teach that program because I was a sales trainer, but I really always thought, well, we talk about problem solving as salespeople. Why wouldn't I be learning how to problem solve and see how these correlate? But I learned a lot uh, uh, through that program. And, you know, as you were talking about, um, about kind of the CEOs and it starts at the top, I remember we were, you know, we were tracking Deming and Duran and um, and Duran really always believed that all of these types of trainings, all these types of principles have to come from the top down, not the bottom up. But I'll tell you a real fast, funny story. I um, in terms of process and, and sort of keeping it with us, um, that wasn't a slogan quality with Xerox that we took it very seriously and we followed the lead and the lead was David Kearns. That was the CEO at the time. And David Kearns always claimed to carry his laminated, it's like a quality improvement, problem solving process. He said, I have it with me all the time. It's always with me. So I worked at the training center in Leesburg and uh, we were on 2,400 acres. It was massive training facility. And Kearns came in a few times. I saw him running one time and uh, I stopped him. And I said, got your card with you? And he's, he had it with him. He was I'm running running. with I'm that running. laminated card and uh, with a big smile. And yeah. uh, it was a, it was a really a wonderful moment because I was just kind of teasing, like, of course you don't. What do you have in your sock? Well, he had it. It was running shorts. He had it in a back pocket, but he walked the walk. And I will tell you that uh, Xerox did walk the walk on this. And it's, it's another example. Um, you're, you're listening to an author right now who's not only talking to you about what he's written, but how to make sure what he's written actually is implemented within the organization. We trainers, uh, Steve and I, we, we, we love to entertain. We love to, we love to inspire. We're pretty good at motivating. But what makes us tick is when we hear, when we meet with a company six months later, a year later, that has implemented what we've taught and so uh, that's why I, I'm heavying up with the conversation here a little bit, because I love what you've got. But uh, once you told me you were a trainer, I knew we could go towards implementation. And uh, at the end of the day, that's protecting your investment. That's protecting you. You don't want to become we don't want this to be the flavor of the month. Uh, it's too good. And so uh, you're hearing various ideas, not only in the book, but just two trainers yapping about how to make sure what we've got uh, sticks. That That's the home run for us. Uh, I know I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit, but uh, folks, I'm looking at him and he's nodding with me right now. Right. I am nodding. 
Okay. Uh, all right. Let's say let let's let's drop back a little bit. Let's say that you um, you're going back in time, and you get to talk to a young Steve, and uh, tell me one or two uh, regarding this particular topic. Because I know if I talk to a 25 year old Rob, I have a lot to tell him, but. I want to talk about this particular piece. What would you tell a young Steve Curtin if you had the opportunity? Well, I would, and I think you sort of, uh, you've biased my response uh, by, by listening to your, your uh, previous remarks where you were talking about, you didn't use the word operationalize or systematize or, you know, inculcate, but that's what you're talking about. You know, essentially, how can we incorporate the lessons that are being taught in a learning environment, like in a training session, how can we embed those um, in the day-to-day -day operations of the business in order to create sustainment, which is key. And I think when I was younger, it was less about sustainment and more about sort of delivering against the course objectives and then we would have the course objectives on the evaluation at the end of the course, whether that was an afternoon or a four day course or whatever it happened to be. We would have the objectives and we would ask, we'd have them rate on a Likert scale, um, you know, whether or not they felt from their perspective that objective was met and they would offer us a rating. And, and that's how we, that's basically how we would evaluate the effectiveness of the course materials of our presentation of the activities, et cetera. I think today I'm biased, to your point, I'm biased about whether or not, you know, training has to be applicable, it has to be relevant, uh, but it also has to be sustainable. Other words, it falls into that flavor of the month category and enthusiasm for it wanes over time, and then something else takes over. And what usually takes over is um, our job functions. And that's the sort of the myopic focus on um, executing job assignments, budgets, forecasts, utilization metrics, productivity, the PL, all of that. And when that happens, the focus leaves job essence, which is your single highest priority at work, as we've talked about, is job purpose. So that's what I would tell myself. I would say, hey, Steve, it's great to get a uh, you know, good, good uh, feedback on your course evaluations, but let's also look at how are we going to embed this so that it is not usurped by another program um, six months from now. How, if we truly believe in it, how can we embed it so that it happens consistently, reliably over time by design? Right. And, you know, we use different words, but I will pound on the word process. I like things that are repeatable and predictable. And uh, now we can't do that you know, we can't throw a blanket over everything, but when you have a process, you have a way of measuring what you're doing. When you can measure it, you can fix it. So when you're listening to an author like Steve, you're, you know, obviously the concepts of his book um, are engaging. They make sense, but he's process related. He's pulling through a way of interacting and he is uh, it. That's why I, you know, in my world, I'd be buying books from trainers because when you're, you want to learn something, teach it. When you're in the pit, you learn it and you learn it from all sorts of different angles. But I can tell that you're and looking over your materials, very process oriented. And only one other thing, and I'll move off of this, but trainer to trainer. Yeah. And listen up folks. This is important. You know, the word objectives 
the reason why we often don't meet our objectives or do we meet our objectives or what was our objective again is, and this is just one person, I'm, I'm on my soapbox just for a second, but I'm on a crusade to remind people that that's probably one of the most misused words in all of training, because we think of an objective as something like at the end, you're going to have a greater appreciation for sustain. What is that? How do I test that out? Everybody raise your hand if you appreciate this more. Uh, an objective to me needs to be actionable, measurable. I, I, at the end, you'll be able to recite four of these. You'll be able to implement two, something so that even if we don't meet our objective, uh, I'll still give you an A plus. At least we know the answer. Think right. about many of the programs that are, that people that you've been through where you've heard objectives up front at the end, what if I did walk in and go, okay, thank you. Now, raise your hand if you met the objective. Raise your hand if you can tell me what the objective even was. Uh, slow down when you're when you're working on materials like this. Remember that uh, the purpose, the big picture might be to have a greater appreciation of X, Y, Z. But the objective right now is to be able to understand the four questions that Steve is talking about and be able to, you know, that I can measure. Um, and so, uh, but uh, I'm just climbed off my soapbox, but, but I really think that it helps us out as trainers. And, and last thing, mm -hmm, get me started, but one of the reasons why this is fumbled a lot in corporate American and corporate training is because the trainers frequently aren't writing the curriculum. <laughs> curriculum developers are. And right. now when you get entrepreneurs like Steve and me, we'll write it. But when we get to big companies, there's a department that's doing that. They've never really been in the pit. They're right. not, it's, it's like sales and service. They're not so thrilled with us. We're not so thrilled with them. We have to kind of manage, but I'm just telling you the why as to why that's fumbled. But anyway, all right. Sorry. To, we now return to our guest, Steve and Rob will calm down. But uh, that, uh, that word objectives does kind of get to me. All right, man. Last, uh, maybe last question. We'll see. Wait, uh, tell me about some mentors. Uh, maybe it was Covey. Uh, you, you, you quoted him, but uh, do you have a mentor or two that kind of led you on your way here? Um, well, I have a lot of respect for Stephen Covey. I actually met Stephen Covey in New York City many years ago, um, just a chance encounter in a hotel mm -hmm. lobby. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I would say that I was highly influenced by his work. I was uh, influenced by the work of Edwards Deming, who you referenced earlier. Um, he has a, a student named Brian Joyner, who wrote a book called Fourth Generation Management, uh, which was process management. I know you're a big fan of process. Um, I, I really bought into that, student of that, and, and that's really shaped me. Um, but in terms of mentors, I'd really have to say, you know, I had a 20 year career, enjoyed a 20 year career with Marriott. And I had uh, one boss in particular, a general manager uh, by the name of Mark Conklin, who just um, was so credible. You know, you told the story about the uh, uh, Xerox chairman who was running with the laminated card. He's committed. Right. Um, it, you know, in the same way, uh, Mark exuded that credibility. And, um, you know, there can be cynicism in corporate America that, you know, your, your boss has an ulterior motive, or you're just a pawn as a subordinate. Um, you know, but uh, th that just wasn't the case. In fact, that wasn't the case with any uh, supervisor that I had at Marriott while I was there. 
Uh, but Mark was just very credible. And, and I think he just really brought out the best in me and brought out the best in others. And I felt that my performance sort of elevated to match his performance. And I think in the absence of his example, that wouldn't have been possible. I would not have enjoyed the same results. Right. You know, um, it's funny. I, I, I talk about Xerox a lot because that they really kind of shaped me at a, at an age where I was being shaped. Uh, I have a great deal of respect for Marriott as a road warrior. Uh, I can tell you, uh, 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 how about it? Cause you're a Marriott guy. I'll give you a 22nd Marriott story. Wrote a book about, called, wrote a book about travel. You won't need the title. And, um, but I mentioned Marriott because I really appreciated their process maneuvers, behaviors, et cetera. And this is the, the kindness of Marriott. Marriott read the book, sent somebody to a book launch. I had no idea that they were going to be there and presented me with one year of platinum, <laughs> of platinum benefits for uh, my, I, you know, for mentioning them in, in, in a kind way. But I, I had no idea they were even going to be there. I just spoke from my gut. And there's a lot of uh, hotel chains out there. I, uh, I appreciate the consistency. I, I, I know what I'm getting with Marriott. And um, I, in, in business, Boy, when you can accomplish that, you've accomplished a lot already. Uh, there's, there's no guesswork. There's no, there's no fear. So um, it doesn't surprise me that you working for them for 20 years or so. I think you mentioned, years, uh, yeah. yeah, had a big impact on on the way you you know moved forward as an entrepreneur. Uh, great organization, great company. And no, I'm not not hawking for another platinum card. I, I, one, one year was fine. Thank you. Uh, but anyway, a, a great, 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 great company. Okay. Well, uh, I've enjoyed the heck out of this. Uh, nice. It's been learning a lot. Uh, how do people get a hold of you? Well, they can reach me at my website, uh, which is, as I mentioned earlier, Steve Curtin, and that's C-U-R-T-I-N.com. And then in all the usual social places uh, by name. Got it. And I'll put those social, um, all those social places up by name uh, on our landing page for um, the podcast. So if you're driving in the car, just uh, head to the landing page. We'll have it there for you. The Revelation Conversation, inspire greater employee engagement by connecting to purpose. Uh, I'm assuming that's available. Well, if you're with BK, I'm assuming that's available pretty much everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> yep. everywhere. Good, good. Uh, any any foreign sales yet? Um. Yes, I don't have numbers, but I know we have foreign sales and we had uh, my first book was translated into uh, Mandarin and there's a discussion about translating this as well. And the uh, European group Get Abstract uh, has licensed the material for uh, an abstract to add to their subscription library. So some good things okay. happening internationally. Good. Congratulations. How about an audio book? Is it an audio? It is an audio. Excellent. Okay, so you have that. If you're not a big reader, you can get it on audio. And if you are a reader, you're going to go to Amazon or wherever, and you're not just going to buy the book. You're going to post a review on that book because that's what we authors really appreciate. And you're going to post a review because you're going to love the book. So get that book. Um, you've got, you got, you got this author's hitting on both barrels. He wrote himself a good book, and he and he got a trainer writing it. So you've got some attention to implementation. It all sounds great. I really appreciate you being on the show and uh, just thanks for taking your time out of your day and, and talking with us. I'm grateful. Okay. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate you sharing your megaphone. You bet. Well, we'll do it again as well as we can next time, everyone. Until then, 
Stay safe. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Outcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more information on this show and Rob at Jollis.com.